Hello and welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is where we talk about money, investing and all things personal finance. I'm your host, Peter Kamalafe, and it is my mission to help you make the best financial decisions possible. Now, with living costs continuing to rise, Money Hub on a mission to engage and empower its customers to take control of their finances and improve their financial wellness. Money Hub provides a central space to see all your accounts and assets so you know exactly what's coming in and exactly what's going out. You can connect your current account credit cards, investments, pensions, savings, mortgages, and loans, all with ease, allowing you to have a clear view of all of your accounts within one platform. Once connected, Money Hub will help you learn to manage your money better with simple, actionable steps. You can analyze your spending, pay off your debt, see how your investments are performing, and also set yourself personal spending goals. If you're a homeowner, you can connect your property and see up-to-date property valuations. And if you rent, you can report your rent payments to Experian, giving your credit score a boost. Money Hub has been named in the FinTech Power 50 Trailblazer cohort and has the widest range of connections available in the UK. To get started, download the app today and take advantage of a free six-month trial with no automatic renewal, which means you get to choose whether you want to continue or not after trial. With Money Hub, small improvements lead to big achievements, whether it's paying off debt, boosting your savings, or monitoring your investment. Money Hub makes money management simple and convenient. You can download today on the Apple Store or Google Play. There is a link in the show notes. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me last week. What a week. But first and foremost, let's start with the sad news that the Queen passed. A really, really sad time for a lot of people. And uh, Twitter. Twitter has been been something else. But I think it's important to take a moment as a nation to just pause for a minute and respect the way other people may actually feel about the royal family because there's a lot of negativity out there at the moment. I think the most important thing here is that someone who is important to the nation has passed. Last week was also quite eventful because we have a new prime minister, Liz Trust, and she actually did what she said she was going to do. The government has rolled out a £150 billion plan to help cap the typical household bill for a household in the UK at £2,500. But there are questions to be asked. Are we kicking this can down the road to deal with in two years' time once all of this intervention has kind of come to an end? Are we actually addressing the root problem? That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about some of the other bits and pieces that have come out as well. And that's where we're going to start. So look, if you've been under a rock and you've missed this, I'm sure you haven't because this is something that has been at the forefront of everyone's mind in the country. And it is welcome news that the government is rolling out this package. Now, this package is rumored to cost up to £150 billion. And essentially... There's a lot of debate around whether or not this is something that is number one going to work and was the most efficient way of basically rendering help to households across the country. There are a lot of uh, political arguments around windfall tax, and this is something that Liz Truss was avidly against. She didn't believe that windfall taxes on energy companies was appropriate because it would deter investment. And I can kind of see her point in that. However, writing a check for £150 billion, this is 
what they're saying it could cost up to. When you look at the numbers, it is estimated it's going to cost 40, million, 40 billion pounds a year for every household to have that extra bit, that cap actually applied across two years. That's 80 billion. But because of the volatility of the prices on the wholesale market, this could go up to 150 billion pounds. I'm hearing some people say it could be could even go even further than that. It's absolutely nuts. But was was this needed? Let's just start there. I think it was. Look, for the longest time on this podcast, we've been talking about the cost of living crisis and the fact that we already have families who cannot afford to make energy payments because the prices have just got up so much. So on one hand, this is a relief to millions of households across the UK. There are 4.3 million households on prepayment meters, which, you know, if you're on a prepayment meter, your your options are limited. You you don't get the discount for paying by direct debit. It's a completely different ball game. And I think that ultimately, whilst this is welcome, the cynics, the cynics out there will point out the obvious. The 100 to 150 billion pounds that this is going to cost, number one, is going to be taken in debt. We don't have this money. It is it's money that we're borrowing and has to be paid back at some point in the future. So, you know, taxation in the future, our kids are going to be paying this debt off. But it is something that is needed in the now. And I guess for those people who are uh, cynically looking at this from a political point of view and, you know, trying to, I guess, argue the case for windfall taxes, rightly so, is the point that this 100, 100 billion to 150 billion pounds is actually going to go to the energy companies and it is going to basically prop up profits and it's going to end up in the hands of investors by way of dividends, share buybacks, so on and so forth. Now, I don't want to get into the to nitty gritty of that because I think the reality is as it is right now. Could there have been a more efficient way of this being rendered? Possibly. I don't think I have the answers. I'm not too sure that many people have the answers for that. Is this a perfect solution? Absolutely not. It is not perfect, but it is a quick, easy solution that I guess is long overdue because Boris sat on his hands for quite some time that is needed right now before the price cap actually arrives on October the 1st. Now, for many people, and I've got a friend who did this recently, many people may have actually fixed into a deal with an energy provider in the knowledge that the price cap was going to increase in October, then we're likely going to see another one in January. Now, I don't know whether you follow me on, on YouTube, but you may have uh, followed a live that I did where Goldman Sachs were forecasting inflation to be at 22% next year. And the numbers in the analysis that they ran was under the assumption that if, if wholesale prices for energy continued as they currently are, then that would mean that the price cap would rise by another 80% in January. And their uh, forecast, their predictions according to the analysis that they ran, basically meant what the, the impact on that would be that the country would go into recession because companies would go bust, with, so that would reduce GDP by about 3.4%. And that increase in energy prices in itself will drive inflation up through 22%. Only literally last week or the week before, Citibank said 
on forecast that inflation was going to be at 18.4%. Bank of England, as you know, have been forecasting it to be 13%. Underestimating this entire time, and I've said this uh, a couple of times as well. Now, with this intervention, inflation is a really big conversation to be had. So we know that the main proponent that has been driving the inflation number up over the last six to seven, eight months has been energy prices. This intervention to cap energy prices for the typical household at two and a half thousand pounds is rumored or forecast to reduce inflation in October by 5%. So that will take us down to 5% inflation, which then asks the, well, begs the further question of, what happens at the Bank of England with the Monetary Policy Committee? Are they going to continue to raise rates? Rates. Now, my uh, my thought is that they will continue to raise rates because the target to, to work towards when it comes to inflation is 2%. So be prepared to see further rate rises through perhaps the rest of the year. I would imagine at least one more rate rise this year, if not two, to try and squeeze that inflation number back down to its target of 2%. I personally don't think it's going to work, but it will be interesting to see what the guys at the Bank of England actually think. Now, for those of you who may have fixed with a provider, um, TAC has done this, one of my friends, and we're actually going to Stelvio this week. Um, if you've already fixed, there is a provision already put into play or will be put into play shortly where you'll be able to ex exit your deal with your provider and they cannot charge you an exit fee. And once you've exited, you have to nominate to go onto the government subsidy tariff, okay? The government subsidy tariff. So if you have fixed your energy bills with, I don't know, Octopus, for example, over the last two to three months, you can exit your package. They are not allowed to charge you any more than £2,500 if you decide to stay with them. So you can get onto the government subsidy, uh, subsidized tariff. So that's really, really good news on that front, okay? Now, let's get on to the problems that this really kind of, I think, still exist. All we're basically doing is capping the, the, the cost of energy to us as consumers, right? What we didn't see in the uh, announcement last week was anything around the help that is going to be made available to businesses. We haven't heard anything around that. If anything, the main intervention that they mentioned was maybe for schools or for hospitals, there was going to be a six-month uh, cap for schools and hospitals, but nothing for actual business. Now, with businesses, they don't have a price cap. And I've seen, you've probably seen this as well, articles of businesses posting on Twitter the, uh, the the price of their energy for the rest of the year. And in some cases, these things are going up by thousands. And when I say thousands, I'm not talking, you know, one, two, three, four thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand pounds a year. It is absolutely staggering. And so, we haven't addressed anything for business. And this is my fear. And this is what could potentially push us into a recession. If we see businesses go under, and I've got a friend who's got a financial advisory firm down in Leamington Spa. I spoke with him probably about two, two and a half months ago. His bills were already up to 4,000 pounds a month, 
this is before the price cap you know came in or was announced for october right I hate to think how much his energy prices have gone up now. So when you get businesses that are struggling, businesses that are going to have to close, let people go, which means that your unemployment number is going to rise even further, what does that actually do for the economy? It's not good. It's not good at all. So I'm really disappointed to see that we didn't have any interventions for business specifically. There is a rumor that there will be more in the autumn budget shortly but I think that was needed right now because businesses are really, really struggling. The next problem that I think that we have, which is probably the, the one that I guess isn't being spoken about too much and needs to be spoken about. And in order to have this conversation, to raise this point, we have to kind of take a step back and look at where we are simplistically and look at the reality of where we are from a very simplistic base, right? So let's think about this. The reason why energy prices are increasing so much is because Russia is no longer providing oil, energy, I should say, to Europe. So the supply chain is being, I guess, squeezed, right? And there's still a lot of demand for an even smaller supply because Russia's doing what they're doing, right? Now, when you have the supply versus demand equation, right, and you have more demand than you do supply, you're going to find the energy prices rise or the cost of whatever it is that is in high demand increases. That's what we've been seeing. So taking a further step back, now that we know that that is actually the case, you then have to have the conversation of, okay, so what is the logical thing to do? Now, let's put this in the context of, you know, household, right? If you stock up your house with food, right, and you have particular dietary requirements, and there is a certain part of your, of your staple diet that is no longer available, right? Or of short supply, but very, very high demand. You might decide, well, okay, we're gonna buy X amount of this item. And what you might decide to do is to ration so it actually lasts you longer. The same thing applies when we look at this energy conundrum, right? If there is less energy being supplied and there is so much demand across Europe, and across pretty much all over the world, and we at this point in time cannot get going to produce our own energy quick enough, right? Or we're not able to import energy in cheaper than what we were getting them before to kind of offset this increase in energy prices, then the natural conclusion to come to is, well, there needs to be a reduction in the usage of said energy. Now, this is something that is already being spoken about in Germany and other places in Europe. You know, that you've probably heard in on the news that in certain places they you can't turn up the AC beyond a certain point. That is limiting energy usage, right? We're not yet having these conversations in this country. They are in Germany, they are in other places in Europe. As sad as it sounds in 2022 there are conversations being had of energy rationing, you know, actually rationing 
energy in 2022. It's absolutely crazy. But we're not yet having those conversations here in the UK. And I think fundamentally, that is a problem. One thing that we do know is that this intervention is going to last for two years. And the next big question is, well, after two years, what then happens? We're going to write a check to these energy companies for 150 billion, possibly even more. We're going to be borrowing this money. It's going to be paid back in some way, shape or form through taxation. Right. And is that the right mechanism? Who knows? Right. But it needs to be paid back. So we're, we're writing and we're taking on a lot of debt immediately to solve the immediate problem. It's going to last for two years. Now, if in the course of the next two years, we see energy prices continue to rise, after two years, we could be back in the same position where the cap goes up even more, and we're capped at £2,500, and prices start hitting 3000 4000 as being predicted this year. This is not... This is a horrible situation to be in, and it's not the perfect solution. And I think it's really important to stress that it's not the perfect solution. But there isn't anyone that I've heard come up with an idea or a solution that is perfect. And so I feel I feel for the politicians who have had to have a look at this because you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. You can't stand by idly whilst people are unable to put food on the table whilst people are having to choose to either eat or heat their home. If they did nothing, I fear for what could have happened. Now that they have done something, we ask further questions about our energy security in the future because it's a really important question to ask. We can look at this in hindsight and say, well, we should have invested in renewables. We should have invested in more infrastructure. We should have invested in more storage um, technology for, uh, for energy, like Germany and a lot of countries in Europe. We haven't got that storage capacity. We don't have the means to be able to buy in bulk upfront and store a lot of energy we just don't have that facility that was shut down a few years back. And that's one of the problems that we're, fa that we're facing while we're so um, beholden to the wholesale market, right? Because we don't have the infrastructure. We just haven't invested enough. And it's okay to look at that right now and say, we should have done this. We could have done this. We would have done this. What we need to do is we need to look to the future. And I'm hoping that this is going to be a catalyst, a kick up the arse, I guess, to, to use the phrase, for government to really invest in infrastructure so we can actually secure our own futures when it comes to energy. And I know that is something that was spoken about last week. How tangible these are going to prove to be, who knows? We talk about money and investing here on this podcast, obviously. So when we start looking at investment opportunities, I will be keeping a close eye on developments moving forward because now would be a great time to invest in the companies that may benefit from any governmental push or huge amount of investment into renewable energies, green energy, so and so on and so forth. I mean, already, uh, there are a few companies that I've already had a look at, which I may do a video on at some point, where we know that, you know, there is, I guess, in the US at least, some um, governmental interest in some of the uh, companies because 
their senators have invested in these companies. And I think it's really important for us to keep our ears to the ground in terms of what these opportunities might be, in what com in what companies they might be in, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to build for the future. One of the ways that you're able to build for the future is to actually go with the trend. What is going to make a big difference in the long run for human existence? Those are the kind of companies that we invest in. Those are the kind of companies that you should be investing in because those are the companies that are going to be the big companies of tomorrow. And yes, there are cycles. We may have companies that we're invested in right now that may not you know, uh, be as important in 15 to 20 years time. I mean, Kodak is a prime example, right? But, but we have the ability to be able to identify those early. And, and, and right now is a very, very interesting time indeed, because whilst we have all of this uh, turmoil, this uncertainty, there is a cause to be optimistic for the future if we do the right things, if the government does the right thing. Our system is a little bit broken. Uh, we need to rebuild faith. And I, I think that may be a little too difficult to do based on some of the conversations and based on how people feel about the situation. And it's not just here in the UK, it's across Europe and across you know the world. You can see this in different territories around the world. You know, politics, governance is not perfect. But where's the middle ground? And how can we how can we keep our ears to the ground to be able to position ourselves for the future? I guess that's the big, big question and the big, I guess, thing that we need to be mindful of moving forward. But if you are in a situation where this has been a massive worry for you, we have some time to basically just take a breath. Yes, obviously, is going to cost more. I mean, I think if you look at the prices from this time last year, it's going to cost or is going to cost, and it is costing around about £1,200 more than energy costs this time of year. But we are where we are now. We know it's not going to increase any further for the next two years. I guess we're going to have to cross that hurdle when we get round to it in the uh, September, October of 2024. We've just bided ourselves a little bit of time and we've, wrote, we've written a massive check um, that is going to go on our national debt to see this particular, I guess, difficulty through. It's not the perfect solution, but it's a solution nonetheless. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Um, please let me know what you think on Instagram. Um, I have an amazing episode coming for you next week. I will be in uh, Europe. I'll be uh, driving down to Stelvio and in Italy and Switzerland. But um, yeah, the episode next week is going to be great. I'll catch you then. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one -on -one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.